This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I've been fasting a couple of days a week. Did I ever tell you about that? Yeah, the intermittent, right? No, I was doing actual fasting, not just intermittent. Oh, okay. I, would eat, I would eat like a huge meal on sun, like Sunday, eat a giant steak, potatoes, drink a bottle of wine Sunday night, and then the next meal I'd have would be Wednesday morning. I think I heard you briefly talk about it on XM, but I thought you were doing, when I say intermittent, I, I do think that you, you know, in the past you did like 24 hours, didn't you? Yeah, I did like 36 hours, but then I extended another right. day. Gotcha. You can do okay. intermittent. So how long have you been doing that? How long have you been doing that? Like a month and a half, two months. And? And it's pretty good. It's weird. When you start eating, you're like, yeah, this is good. But you're not as, it's sort of weird. Like you don't need to eat that much. But probably uh, lighter than I've been since college, maybe. I don't know. I'm about 170, between 170, 176, depending on if I've eaten or not. You know, by Sunday, I'm probably like 176. It's good. It's good to be in shape. I've been, so I've been I- going to this gym. Yeah, I know you're a gym, gym rat now. I know the studies suggest that that's uh, beneficial, but do you think it's just kind of a case-by-case basis, or are you like a full believer in, in the fasting is an actual health benefit? I mean, I don't want to offer medical advice on the podcast because you might have some other health problems, and you fast, and you just drop dead, and then you know, then I, it's my fault somehow. I definitely blame you if somebody drops dead and listen to this. Yeah, I think pretty much most healthy people just can do it. I mean, you can go a month without eating. I mean, you, you die in three days without water but you can go 30 days without food. And so sometimes I'll just have some bone broth, like this bone broth I, I buy yeah. at this farmer's shop. It's organic. It's you know high, well-sourced. Sometimes I won't eat anything on Monday. And then on Tuesday afternoon, I'll have some bone broth, maybe some uh, sauerkraut that I fermented myself. And then I'll wake up Wednesday and I'll start eating in earnest. Actually, if, if I were single, if I didn't have a kid and you know if I weren't like, domesticated the domesticated animal that i am i'd probably try it for like a week hmm. you know and and i'd be doing more experiments just that when you have to like have dinner with your family and stuff it's like what are you supposed to do yeah it's probably just what you're used to too i'm sure when you're in this routine it becomes uh becomes normal for you but yeah i, I was going to say that it affects the rest of your family that's that's the other thing but uh, they're kind of forced into it or they still eat no they of course they're eating I, you can't make it, yeah my kid is fasting for a week at a time no she's well, not a whole week <laughs> no, no, the kid, no, Sasha eats, Sasha eats like a Well, no, but hey, you She's laugh, like a world you champion. Laugh. Hold on, hold on, you laugh, but I mean, you do, you do have, uh, listeners out there, you have a, you have your daughter on it, on a, 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 a what we call it strict, but definitely a, a, a diet that's not uh, a joke, right? Well, it's kind of a joke. I mean, you know, at school, they, they eat crap at every party, there's cookies and cake and, you know, and she and I go to ice cream quite a bit and she has, but you know, in the house, you know, in the morning, she pretty much gets like a couple hard boiled eggs and some fruit and some berries. That's her breakfast most of the time, or a fried egg, a couple fried eggs and some berries. If she wants bacon, I'll make that for her. And then for dinner, you know, when we cook here, it's usually like steak and salad and potatoes, or steak and salad and mushrooms, like no potatoes. No. Or once in a while, we'll make a, a pasta or like or something with rice, but. It's pretty healthy. Like our, our diet's healthy here. And we always have salad. She loves salad. She loves onions. I make this homemade sauerkraut. I ferment it myself. You gotta like pretty easy. You just gotta wring the water out of the cabbage and stuff it into a jar so that the cabbage is beneath the water line and you add super good you for to, you. Yeah, you have to add like a 
tablespoon of salt. I, I didn't realize you needed so little salt for a large jar of cabbage. I kept oversalting it, and I finally made a batch uh, this time. It's so good. But she just scarfs that down. It's like fermented, bitter, sour cabbage, purple cabbage, and she's just asking for more and more and more. She's she's a really good eater. Like she's she's got a massive appetite, but she likes a lot of uh, good stuff. So it, I just let her eat mostly as much much as she wants and just try to steer her toward healthy stuff to the extent I can. Yeah, I remember her swooping a piece of bread off the barbecue when I was with you years ago, and you and you know that was like a uh, something she's not used to get, to getting or whatever. It was like a special. No, she gets um, bread now. She eats bread. We you know for when she's like zero to two, we kind of controlled it, but now she gets. She gets everything. I just and you do let her like, eat. She eats junk at school, though. You're not like super. I mean, I don't like it, but you, if you if you try to control it, you're going to cause too many problems. So she she likes healthy, delicious food. She likes Chinese food. She likes Mexican food. She likes all the ethnic food. She loves sushi. She's a great eater. She'll eat stuff that kids just don't eat. I mean, she loves salad. She wants more tomato and onion and red onion and like. You know, she loves feta cheese. She eats all that kind of stuff. And so she's pretty easy, but she has a huge appetite. And so sometimes when she's had her fourth or fifth cookie at a party, we're like, all right, come on. Like, you know, she'll, she'll just go crazy wherever she is. Even, but even with healthy food, you know, she's, she's robust. She's a beast. I wish she were more into sports because she's just like a big, strong, fast beast. Like I want her to like just take people out, but she's a sweet kid. She's more into, uh, building things and like art and math and stuff. So that's cool. You know, we, we, we just do that instead. Listening to parents talk about how healthy their kids eat and how little screen time they're allowed just makes me feel like such a horrible, horrible parent. So I no, will say my kid eats more than anybody. My kid eats, I, I, my kid is like, eats like an adult. We go to a restaurant and, and we have this thing with, the, cause all the, you know, we go out with the other parents and when there's like a big group, which I hate, but they, you know, they do it all the time. It's like they've just made this rule that however many adults, that's how you split the check. So some are single parents, some are, you know, have two parents. But if there's like eight people, eight adults, and six kids, you just split the check eight ways. And, you know, if there's two of you, it's like me and Heather, then we, we pay two shares of that eight. And if it's like a single mom, she pays one. And the kids, they're just not calculated. But I've been thinking, like, we've gotten off pretty easy because Sasha eats like an adult. <laughs> like an adult? Yeah, yeah she right. just she doesn't eat off the kid's menu. First of all, she doesn't, you know, we don't like her to get, like, the chicken fingers that often. She does sometimes. We get her, like, the duck rice, the seafood rice, the, you know, clams oh, and mussel rice. That's, and you're rice. just letting someone pay for that? that yeah, that is. Well, that, no, yeah. I, I, you know, it's not that we're not doing it to get the extra money. I'm just saying, like, I like it when she orders, like, <laughs> you know, we try to encourage her to eat real food. You know, she's not a... I don't like the idea of a kid's menu. Your kid, some kids, eat. anyway, those other kids like eat nothing. You know, they split like three ways, like one thing and Sasha has her own. Totally. Yeah. And I was eating a hard time with Pam, but yeah, that's uh, some Larry Davis up, but yeah, the best, best I can say about Chloe is she scored three, three baskets uh, in the last basketball game. So I was fired up for that. So she's out there doing well with the boys out there and holding her own. But when it comes to eating, uh, yeah, she, yeah, she gets away with too much junk food, but uh, so what we do in football list three and two, three and two. Three and last two. Week. Yeah, three and two. My Cardinals bet was terrible. We lost with the Pats. Otherwise, we won. So yeah, you had a good week, right? Yourself, right? Overall, no, eight and eight. I was eight and eight. I wasn't as bad as you. You were terrible. I was going to consider that good. Yeah, no, exactly. What I get. I flat my gums last week. Say my my record, and, and sure enough, I was whatever five and eleven, six and something like that. Um, yeah, rough. What do you think of the Cardinals? I ended up making a uh, Jared Goff like my bold prediction of the week, be top five fantasy QB, and like uh, they they made some the Twitter handle made me and Brad were way different on his uh, ranking. Um, and so I was actually weirdly rooting for him. Uh, but boy, I did not see that coming down. You know, that dude had like 400 yards pass with nine minutes left in the third quarter. No, he, he could have broke. Yeah. He could have Norm Van Brocklin's record. 554 yards is the record. He easily could have got that if they wanted to. I, they should have got it. I mean, you're never going to get that close again. You got to do it. Yeah, no, I know for sure. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, watching Robert Woods like the yards after the catch was crazy too. Yeah, I had a, a DFS lineup with, with 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 Woods and it was pretty pretty crazy that game. I did not see that going at all. So I was I was with you on the Cardinals despite my golf thinking he'd bounce back. That Arizona defense isn't very good. One of the uh, hypothetical um, I, I was thinking is what would it take during the offseason list for David Johnson to again be a first round pick? How many years? What it's been three years in a row? Like that dude, this looks comically slow compared to Drake when he comes in, but uh, nothing could happen. Right for him to to be well, talked up yet again. Like, could there be a scenario? Let's say Lashawn McCoy retires, 
and the yeah, Chiefs okay. I like it. Um, yeah. released Damian Williams, and then they yeah, signed Johnson team. to like yeah. a guaranteed contract, 15, 20 mil guaranteed for like four years. Andy Reid says he's watched the tape. It's just been a case of mismanagement and a bad fit for their offense, and that he's going to get the rock 300 times this year. <laughs> he gets, he love, ended up back in the it. first round. Love it. No, it has to be him leaving the team for sure. That, that's a, that's a, that's a good scenario. I want it, I want it to happen so much. Um, also, if you were missed, I didn't, I brought up Brad at our different rankings. Brad Evans announced on Twitter that leaving uh, Yahoo really sad to see him leave, but obviously he's going to land on his feet. But uh, if you were missed not to mention that uh, Brad definitely helped me get my job at Yahoo and I owe a lot to him and uh, yeah, man, sad to see him go, man. Things are changing. No, no Funston, no Evans, you know, sad times. Things are changing with Evans uh, is a funny dude. He he actually was one of the guys who helped get me on uh, Fantasy Football Live for a few years. Yeah. He's a good dude. I saw him in Colorado this summer, and then I got pretty drunk with him. Actually, the most drunk I've been in maybe the past 15 months. I don't know, a while. It was uh, the night we went out with the Yahoo guys. You were not there, but uh, Brad was there. Andy Barons was there. A bunch of people. Liz Loza was there. And uh, Klobacha, a bunch of them. And, uh, oh, man, I got hammered. We were doing shots. <laughs> But he's a good dude, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll do fine. Uh, he made the mistake of publicly mentioning that he assisted <laughs> your time at Yahoo, and I, I thought that was a big mistake, but yeah. it's too late. He can't walk it back now. Yeah, no, that was funny that you gave him um, a hard time for that. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, the uh, couple th- actually a couple of leagues were in together. I was going to mention with him. He's in the, the League of Leagues we're in together. Um, uh, the one couple things about that. A, no one had emailed anyone in a while there, but someone spent 25 bucks fab on mellow and the Miz went out if you caught this, but he berated the guy in an email, which I thought was funny. And I, I said, stay away from mellow to that dude. One, uh, player of the week. I last know, week. I saw it was that. funny. I saw that. And then, so we punted basketball. We did our job winning be- baseball, but football, we didn't even make the playoffs with a 14 team league with Ezekiel Elliott. Just think about Sa- these, these players. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, Beckham, Amari Cooper, Cam Newton, OJ Howard was going to be a beast. Sony uh, Michelle in a non PPR league, and Dante Pettis was like our third receiver. How much people liked uh, him this league? And I went out of the way to get Bears D. And I went out of the way to get Bears. You know, to make our sure team was we all had the best D. Our I team mean, was just, awful. That is just wild. So that that didn't go well. And obviously basketball. We punted, so I'm just fighting for you know tenth or eleventh place there. The right. team Huevos, uh, the other, the Brad, the Brad that runs the league. I was talked about last week how I beat someone uh, by point four points, and then I, I snuck into the sixth seed only to realize when he changed it that apparently the final seed came down to overall points, so he moved me out of the playoffs. Didn't realize that. I actually do that also in my home league, and I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on that for the for the final for the final spot for the playoffs, making it yeah. just come down to points? Sure, that's that's a good rule. I mean it. It just gives somebody a a reason to compete, you know, if they've gotten unlucky. It's too bad. I, I'm in the playoffs. I'm, it's too bad to see you get bounced. Yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll lose sleep over that. But here's my other question, though. So that kind of screws the person in the three seed, though, if you think about it, because they're getting uh, a really good thing. So my home, my home league, I have a fake home 10-point advantage for the three seed over the six and five point for the four seed over the five. Do you think that makes sense or do you think it's taking it too far? That, that maybe the points guy should be the uh, fourth seed. Move him high. Okay, you could do move that. him. Move him to where he seeds between three and six in points. So if the three Ooh. seed has more points than him, then or the four seed has more points than him, like let's just say like the top five guys, you know, have the most points, and then he's the six most points. Well, then he should be the sixth seed. But if he has that seeds three through six, that last guy is sort of a wild card, and he goes to wherever his points slot between those guys. That okay, I like that. Fair. I like that. Okay, because you know what? I do feel like the NFBC does do it. FFC does it pretty well. I was going to get to that next. The silver bullet, the single entry, big money one they did. I I did this year, and I was uh, I needed two points. You have to finish top two to make the playoffs for the overall. Uh, you know, the overall thirty grand. And I needed two points from Tyler Lockett on Monday night to to get second place. Nice. That was sitting nice. third. And he got me zero. So that, that I mean, that yeah. is just in a full PPR. I mean, that's, he was whatever item fifth for the overall week is my receiver or something. Pretty, pretty, pretty intense there. That's not, not great. And beat Chris List, three teams. Uh, actually, on that one, only the top two teams. Uh, maybe I got that backward. Is that only top two teams in ours? Either way, we both finished there. I won 10 straight in that one. And you have what, like an eight point advantage? What does it do? It, it, it averages the first 13 weeks, correct? correct. 
Yeah, I've got about 100 points more than you, so whatever, 100 divided by 13, probably about 8. So I got an 8-point advantage. I got the 1,500. You only got the 700, but you only put in 350, so you've already doubled your money. But we have another problem here uh, with Will Fuller looming. Mike Clay led his matchups column today uh, with basically saying Chris Harris is going to be all over Hopkins and Fuller is going to go ape shit. So I, I think I'm going to have to use Fuller in, in like DFS and like rank him <laughs> just high to- just for my own sanity. Yes, my own sanity watching this this happen here because, uh, yeah, he's going to blow up. So this team, th- I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I have uh, Marlon Mack got hurt. He might come back, but I don't really want to use him this week. But Dalvin Cook got hurt, and he says he's fine. But they didn't uh, put so him back. Weird, I know. I know. They didn't put him back in a game that was close and important. And they're thirteen point favorites against the Lions this week. If ever you were going to give him another week to get better for the Packers game in Week 15, it would be this week. And Alexander Madison is on that squad. I would love to use him against the Lions at home. I'd love to put him in the flex spot. Well, yeah, it's like a pain tolerance issue. And don't forget, he fumbled, too. It caused him to fumble. So, right? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm ranking Madison like 30th right now. Like he, He's a, he's know, a but, flex guy for me. But if Cook, no, but if Cook plays, I can't use him. I'm going to use John Brown and PPR. Or, Depends your options, you know, sure. Yeah. But, I, but I, I still think even with Cook playing, I'm saying he's an okay flex option. But you probably have better options yourself at this point. Yeah, I have way better yeah. options than that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be – this is interesting. I got a team. This team is legit. It's 21st overall. It's – who knows, right? I mean, I've got my weakness is a QB. Who would you use, Brady uh, against the Chiefs or Baker Mayfield hosting Cincinnati? Oh, I, I have Brady higher. I actually think Cincinnati's been playing far better defense recently. Yeah, uh, Brady's looked bad, I know, and Casey's underrated against receivers. But at home, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mess around. I'd go Brady. Who do, who, yeah. who do you lean into? I have Brady in there now, I, and I also have Andy Dalton. Who I picked up for, I think he's got a Dolphins matchup later. So it's, you know, I had like crap, you have all the good quarterbacks. So I basically have crap quarterbacks. And it's funny because remember I drafted Madison and it cost me James Winston. And this will, this will tell the tale whether I should have done it one way or the other. If Cook is out and Madison goes crazy, that's the greatest pick ever, just punting quarterback and taking another backup running back. But if Brady's a dud and Cook plays and I can't even use Madison and Winston goes off, then I'll, I'll have regretted it. Right. That'll be fun to follow, though. I'm glad we both made it pretty uh, pretty sick. We both um, top two there. Yeah, Ten so straight definitely. wins. Team's on fire. So now I mentioned so down to can't wait to watch Fuller blow up here and my team fall. Um, and since we're talking about Mike Clay, actually made but a just note let me, here. Just let me tell you who's on this team. So, I, you know, I, yeah. I told you I have Mac hurt, uh, but I've got McCaffrey and Singletary is my second back. That's my weakness unless uh, Madison comes back, unless Madison takes over. But Evans, Godwin and Fuller are my three receivers. Mm. But that's a good. It's, it's like wow, with McCaffrey, and and I got Mark Andrews. So it doesn't matter then if they're trading off weeks or whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. That was great. That was actually one of the most fun things this year. The way that they scored so erratically, and all the Evans and Godwin owners were like pulling their hair out because right. you don't you know you want your scores to be you want to be you want to have Michael Thomas. You don't want to have two hundred yards and zero yards. You want to have like a hundred and a touchdown every week in terms of wins and losses. You don't want the volatility at the top of your lineup. And I, because I had both those guys, I just didn't care. Like, who cares which one gets? It was always one of them went off and the other one didn't, but that was fine. Yeah, I know for sure. No, that's a loaded team. Yeah, I know you a lot of points, man. I hope you uh, hope you win it all. Um, what I was saying is, I made this note for you because I saw that Mike Clay kind of talking trash, victory lap on death taxes and regression to the mean about uh, Pat Mahomes. So, where do you stand on that? Because obviously, you were against that. Is it just an injury, and, and, and you're attributing regression to injury, or you taking the loss, or, or I'm no? gonna take the loss. I'm, I talked a lot of shit. I was very strident about these morons are regressing Mahomes to league average norms. And I'm just going to take the L on that. I, I can make an excuse like, well, he was hurt and the Chiefs got hurt. But that's part of regression. Like, that's all. They're not saying everything's going to go perfect for him and he's still not going to be as good. They might argue that, but I don't think that's a very strong claim. I think the stronger claim is what you saw last year was everything going perfect. And Mahomes is great, but take away the perfect and he's human like everybody else. And I think that's the more correct way to look at regression and i have to say those guys were correct and i was incorrect it looked for two games like i was laughing in my ass off at them but then that was it that was about how long it lasted. i mean he did get hurt but i mean you know i guess it's a tough line sometimes because if he were out for the year we wouldn't say it was regression right you'd be like oh this is bad luck you know he's out for the year but if you're playing through an injury well how does that count 
I think a lot of times it happens. Like I was crapping on Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams has not been good this year, not just fantasy-wise, but really he's had no explosiveness. Mm-hmm. But I was arguing with Pinow about it, who liked Devontae Adams, and he's like, well, he's playing on a, a turf toe. He's got a bad toe. So who's right? You know, is Devontae Adams going to just be a star next year? Not that he was ever a star, in my opinion, but you know, is he going to be <laughs> back to the, you know, whatever the star-seeming yeah. guy that he was? Or is he just a little bit older and it's, we're never going to be able to rerun this season? Now, Rodgers will be a little older. Maybe they'll have better other receivers. He won't throw to him as much. You can't run it back. So these questions aren't totally answerable. But I think if I'd have to be very stingy not to take the L on Mahomes. Mike Clay was correct. I'll still back the all-time super talent. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes did what Marino did. He had 48 touchdowns, then he had 30, then he had 44 the year after. You know, I mean, it didn't happen consecutively, but that I, I do still think the talent's there, but regression happened, and, and that's that. I certainly was with you at the beginning of the year, said I'm blindly betting this team, you know, moving forward. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I was all in again, thought that they were uh, going to roll all season too. So, uh, yeah, all right. I just thought that was interesting. Also, the KC running backs, I couldn't have been more wrong about. I mean, whatever. I, even yeah, I was like, okay, I don't love the player, Damian Williams. I just like the position he's in and think that's worth, you know, second to third round pick, whatever. But man, it's crazy that all year that's, I guess, Cream Hunt really was a significant loss for them in real life, too. You know, this is one of the areas I feel like they're missing a real life running back. Yeah, I think the people are like running backs don't matter. This matters. That matters. They're just it's just stupid because really it's all about context, right? Like some running backs matter on this team, but they wouldn't matter on a different team. Yeah, like every team's really rely. You know, Derrick Henry is hugely important to the Titans, but right now Saquon Barkley is not important to the Giants. That doesn't mean Saquon Barkley wouldn't be important on another team. It's just he's just not important on this team right now. I do think Kareem Hunt was important to the Chiefs. And although initially the offense was so good that they didn't miss him much last year, although who knows if they win that game against the Pats. I mean, you know, it was a, went to overtime. Who knows if a play here or there would have changed it. But now that the Chiefs aren't as smooth as they were, I think they do miss him. I actually think Josh Jacobs probably was worth the first round pick. And I, I feel like a lot of times people, you just remember a running back who busts in the first round a lot more than a guard too. I think it's part of the problem, but I, I don't know For, in general, I, I agree with not spending too much of an early capital on it, but you're right. It's all context and, and every position should be judged differently like that based on the team or whatever. Do you want to go to this week or do you have anything else to talk about before? Let's... Oh yeah. I have a bunch of things. Sasha Baron Cohen, who mm, Borat, yes, guy's a genius i mean his, his he's it's one of the funniest like borat is like you're like dying laughing when you watch borat it's not just like a chuckle here or there it's not like some will ferrell movie or some adam sandler movie i mean you're, you're dying in borat when he's re- naked wrestling that fat dude at that like convention in some weird holiday inn place where they're sitting around and those two dudes bust in you know what i'm talking about right yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, Larry David is Curb, Seinfeld, and then the Ollie G show are my favorite comedies of all time. So you're preaching the choir yeah, here. I mean, I mean he's, he's a genius. genius. He's a genius. Yes. I mean, there's no question. I mean, he's the, the, one of the best of the best. And what yeah. he does is so he does it better than anybody. And he was going off about how he thinks Facebook should only take ads that are telling the truth politically. And I and it's been going around because he made this big speech about yeah. it, and everybody's been retweeting it and stuff. Yeah, and it's just so stupid. If you think that we should trust a person to decide what's true for all of us, if you look at like these impeachment hearings, and you follow Twitter, like there are there's no agreement on what the truth is. I have an opinion on it, but you look at people who are these blue checks, these people who have a lot of followers, a lot of influence. And they will just say something that someone else I follow will just factually say. I mean, they just cannot even agree on the facts at all. Not one bit. So in this environment, you're just going to appoint someone to decide what's true and what can be viewed politically and what can't be. He really thinks that's a good idea. That's insane. It's just insane. And it just shows you that you can be a total genius in one particular area and be just a total idiot in another and that's kind of eye-opening because a lot of times, you know, Gary Kasparov, you know, goes off about politics. And I think that guy's an idiot. But Gary Kasparov is a genius. Gary Kasparov is like the greatest chess player of all time, at least to my knowledge. At least maybe there's someone now that's, that was better. But, I mean, the guy's ridiculously oh, yeah, yeah. good. He's there a genius. Is, the current chess player is the greatest of all time. Oh, oh he is? He's better, yeah. better than Gary? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. He was, you know, he was the greatest at the time, you know. And, but he's an idiot. And it's just, 
how can you square that? You know, but all these, all these things take different skills. It's not, it's not the same skill. So it's, it's just kind of eye opening and, and good to remember that because when you hear Stephen Hawking speak about politics, I know he's dead now. He's guy's a genius. I mean, literally a genius, you know, don't, don't think, Oh, well this guy knows what's up. Cause look how smart he is. It doesn't, it doesn't really translate. I have a friend who's going to be very upset at me for not knowing Magnus Carlson's name, but yeah, if you, according to all the metrics, that guy just dominates his chest. Really? Okay. Just, it's unequivocal. Um, okay. Um, so I'm with Liz. This is interesting. I watched the speech. I love Sasha Baron Cohen. As I said, I think he's a genius and I was going to, you know, recommend it on this podcast, but you know, I, I was found myself disagreeing with him in a lot. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to recommend this. I, interestingly, I, I don't really agree with him a lot on this. And then I saw you tweet that. And you hit it home. I'm, I no argument here, man. I agree with you. This seems really off base and just weird here, but that doesn't change your opinion of him as like a comedic writer no, or anything, right? No, yeah, no. I mean, why, you know, it's like, of course not. No. If Michael Jordan isn't a very good gambler, I'm still gonna playing basketball. I'm still gonna assume he's the best player on the court. When right. In fact, I don't even want to know, you know, former players' opinions are often the worst on the sport. You know, of and, course. And Look at LeBron. Not necessarily the best LeBron food critics, and opens his mouth to be a film reviewer. You know. You know, he's like sucking up to China, trying to clamp down on Daryl Morey's speech. It's like, okay, LeBron, just, you know, we don't need to know. Uh, again, everyone has the right to say whatever the hell they want. But just because you're great at one thing doesn't mean you know what's up about other things. The other two things, uh, this guy, Michael Krieger, I've mentioned him a few times. He uh, tweeted out two really interesting articles. Um, one was uh, in this, I guess it's a magazine called The American Conservative. And it's basically just talking about how the military has wrested control of sort of foreign policy from the civilian elected leaders. And that that happened over the last like 50 years, like gradually. And then it just became that no matter who the president was, whether it was Clinton or Bush or Obama, they just sort of like went along with what the unelected bureaucratic military industrial complex, what do you want to call it? What their goals were. This talks about how Trump clown as he might be has basically just exposed wide open this rift between what those people expect to be done these sort of unelected career very powerful people in the government and what you know we're told as a people like oh we deliberated and they said that all the conflicts between the his point is that all the conflicts between uh, the civilian elected governments the obama administration or the bush administration or the clintons and the sort of military industrial complex or the deep state, those were all ironed out behind closed doors. So it seemed like if we're going to a war, we're doing this, it was because, oh, this is the best thing and it was sold to the public and this is important for freedom and whatever reasons we gave. And now with Trump, it's sort of this fight is happening out in the open and it's a good thing because this, they, we need to wrest control back to the Congress, the executive and the courts as established in the constitution and not have these unelected, very dangerous factions uh, be dictating often disastrous and very evil foreign policy for us. So it's a really good article. I, I retweeted it, and it's also in Michael Krieger's feed. That was one. And then he had another article he tweeted that was fascinating in Forbes uh, by a climate scientist who is concerned about climate change and concerned about you know what we're doing to certain species and all this stuff, but says that the Greta Thornburg, Thunberg, whatever her name is, and all those people, even AOC, that the sort of apocalyptic alarm that's going around is totally wrong, totally not backed up by the science, completely exaggerated, and also harmful to the cause of preserving the environment because it's so shrill and so in your face, like, you better not eat meat, you better not drive your car, don't go on this airplane, you know, whatever they're saying while yachting around the world or whatever they're doing, that it's it's so it's such a turnoff that it's actually turning people away from it and when it turns out to be false which it is then people aren't going to believe the actual truth which is we should be careful and there it's not going to be an extinction level event but it could be pleasant for us and bad for other species and and the environment in general yeah i know everyone hates jordan peterson but didn't i send you that clip on climate change is his opinion i thought you said pretty much on it but um interesting stuff list okay there's like two uh two two articles i'll definitely check out and sorry to jump around but back to the the i totally agree with you that baron cohen is off base there but i think someone even made a comment to you um basically what is your opinion on you know the difference in uh, the pain for ad distribution versus letting ads generate like naturally like you know facebook versus twitter kind of that that business model do you have any thoughts on that 
if you have the following and you have the people to circulate something that goes viral, that's great. And paying for an ad, a political ad is okay. It's, but I don't really see how we can say Facebook's not allowed to take political advertisements. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, the network, political ads all over the networks. And so they pay for those. So it's, a, it's the same thing. Why only Facebook? You know, most of it's all just bullshit anyway. And it's always been bullshit. But I don't know. I don't really see a, a huge difference. I, I think the real thing that's going on with all these people trying to control what can be displayed on social media is that the narrative is slipping away from the people who are used to controlling it. You know, it used to be that you could just, and they still do it, they launder their, the CIA and intelligence agencies or oligarchs will launder their views through the New York Times. Sources say this happened. Sources say that happened. Uh, They get their message through the networks that they own on TV or in the newspapers. And that used to pretty much shape the narrative. Just like if uh, a baseball player or football player was holding out for a contract, the message would always be, you know, he's not a team player. This is selfish. You have to think about the team, you know, because they could control the message and they always would. But now with social media, they cannot control the message. A lot of times the player's holding out and they're like, good for him. And that, that sort of unified message of, oh, we need to go to war in Iraq. You know, the New York Times is huge in selling it. The Washington Post, they all, WMD, they, they sold that. And so what, what uh, the people in the factions that wanted to influence us that way, they used those papers to get their, you know, their messaging across, and it worked. But it just doesn't work as well now because people talk to each other directly in social media. And if somebody is a smaller reporter who breaks a story or finds out something's false, it can spread really quickly. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm against it in all forms. I hate Facebook. I, don't, I deleted my Facebook account. Mm-hmm. I think they're a scumbag company. But I do not. Th- I, I think what's behind all of this is not some concern for the truth. It's concern for control. Right. And when you see it that way, you're basically like, fuck off to all those people who are con- you know, concerned trolling about, oh, well, what if people are misled? Dude, people have been misled about the WMDs in Iraq, about so much stuff for so long. We don't even know who, you know who killed John Kennedy. We know who killed him. We don't even know who was behind it. We still haven't had the 9-11 report you know, and the Saudi involvement completely declassified and released. So it's not about knowing the truth. It's just about control. Well, we did just learn how Jimmy Hoffa disappeared, but more on that later. Um, yes, we'll so Tul- Tulsi Gabbard was on Rogan, and I listened, and I liked her, and um, I, I probably you know all this stuff, but you know she pre- she reiterated that after her uh, you know her one speech where she became you know kind of public consciousness, the Google did something to her to where it affected her her searching, and she said that uh, Zuckerberg, after he strongly considered running president, had a couple of his guys call up Mayor Pete. And a couple of his guys are on his team now. So just watch, watch how that changes. So I guess Hollywood's now on Mayor Pete, too, with, with Kamala Harris gone. But uh, anyway, so Tulsi good was riddance, Rogan. Good riddance to her. <laughs> good riddance to Kamala Harris. And by the way, Scott Adams, that guy who I used to follow, he said, and he's the master persuader, he was the one who predicted Trump. He was basically like, judge me on you know, how predictive what I'm saying is. Judge my... Judge what I'm saying based on how predictive I am. And since he predicted Trump, which nobody else really thought, it was like, wow, this guy, you might not like him. You might find him a little strange. You might not agree with his views on Trump, but got to give him credit. He knows what the hell he's talking about. And he early on called it for Kamala Harris. And she was the favorite early. I mean, by the pundits, at least. And that dude was so wrong. And he just kept trying to rehabilitate that take. And he's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Like she just kept doing worse and worse. And he kept trying to rehabilitate the take. And finally he was like, the person who just dropped out was the only one with the chance to beat Trump. And it's like, dude, just take the fucking L already. Jesus Christ. Like you've been banging that drum. It was totally wrong. And now you're acting like, well, you were sort of right because this was their only hope to win. That was a, what a nutless monkey. That was, I was like embarrassed for that guy. Like, like, dude, no, I mean, I know you you're the master persuader. You're the master of all this influence. You understand how all this shit works and you make a terrible call and you're trying to salvage it. Jesus Christ, have some dignity and just admit when you're wrong. That's embarrassing. Truly embarrassing. I know you're upset with him. Uh, he was on Corolla's podcast and he just basically was recently, and I was thinking of you because I know you were down on him and he just basically was saying that Trump is, he doesn't see anyone beating Trump as his latest. Well, I, I don't but, disagree uh, with that. I, I think Tulsi would beat him if, 
you know, if she gets through. And again, I don't want to guess. I think polls are totally bullshit. Who the hell answers their phone? It's a, I, I, I just think all this stuff that we see that used to be the case, who the hell knows? They're just trying to shape public opinion. They try to tell us that Kamala was going to win, that Beto O'Rourke was going to win. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. They were ridiculous people. But they were trying to get those guys to win because they know Biden's dead. Now they're, I told you their last gasp would be Mayor Pete because Mayor Pete is like Mr. Centrist, yeah, Mr. And got, Affable. You and, got Zuckerberg on his side too, is yeah, what I'm telling that's you. That's their last hope. And then Bloomberg maybe to like be a third party to hopefully screw it yeah, up. I didn't even Bernie. bring that up to you. You thought he's a total joke, right? Right? Isn't that, I, isn't I, don't think he, I don't think he has a chance to win, but I think that – and I, I heard this. It was, maybe it was Michael Krieger. Somebody made the theory – that he, what he is is he's an emergency measure, which he won't win the Democratic nomination. But if, say, Bernie or Warren, especially Bernie, I think Warren could be co-opted, but maybe they don't know if she can be co-opted. If, if Bernie or, God forbid, Tulsi started to win the Democratic nomination, they need Trump reelected in that case. They can't chance <laughs> Bernie or Tulsi being president because all of their dreams of empire and military industrial complex and their consulting gigs and the whole ecosystem – all the arms manufacturers and their kickbacks, the banks and their friendly treatment, all that shit is gone. Their whole reason for being, all their power is eroded if Tulsi or Bernie wins. So if one of those two were to win, and even Warren I think they're a little scared of, but again, I, I don't think they should be, but they don't, you know, who knows. If one of them wins, I, I think that he's sort of the Trojan horse to come in and try to take the middle votes and then have Trump win. Because Trump, you know, they might not like him. They can't control him entirely. It's exposed this rift, according to this article. But they're fine. They're still in power. Trump has power, but they have more power in a lot of ways. But should Bernie or Tulsi win? Oh, man, that's game over for them. So that was his theory that, that it's not really, yeah, maybe he'll try to win the Democratic uh, nomination, but that dude will be playing spoiler if he doesn't. And you see Trump, this latest thing, him leaving with Trudeau getting caught in the hot mic and all that stuff. I saw Trudeau is such a nutless monkey. I could use him as the nutless monkey. I changed the nutless monkey icon, by the way, to uh, David Frum, who's just such a nutless monkey. He's one of Bush's, Bush's uh, Iraq war speechwriters. He's one of those people fomenting the war. And now he's like this woke resistance guy. I mean, that dude is such a nutless monkey. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that anybody takes this guy seriously. So now he's the new nutless monkey. All right. That's funny. But, um, but Justin Trudeau easily could Trudeau be the monkey. Yeah. And, and I know some Canadians who just, they despise that dude so much. That dude is despised. Gotcha. <clears throat> All right. Before we go to these, uh, this week's games, uh, I have to say I was, uh, won't be the first or last. I was wrong. It looks like the reason I said Magnus Carlson, as far as chess, I remember him being, he's definitely better than Bobby Fisher, but did you say Kasparov? Is that Kasparov. Kasparov. He's number one. And then Karpov number two, and then Carlson three, according okay. to what my thing. So you were right. He's the greatest of the don't greats. Try to, don't try to, don't try to, is, it's, it's your just chest the current guy is clearly better than Fisher, and he's ranked there top three. But you're, you're right. Okay. I was wrong, and, and Kasparov is, is still the GOAT, apparently. Um, all right. Let's get to these, uh, get to these games. Uh, Thursday night, uh, Cowboys minus three at the Bears. I, I, I sided with Dallas here, but it, it probably is a sucker side. What, when are they ever going to start playing well? So I'm not going to fight you here because I think you like the Bears strongly here. Yes? I like them pretty much. I made this a pick. Um, Trubisky played well on Thanksgiving and yeah, Dallas, I mean, we can't give them credit until they show it. They're sort of in the Browns territory. They're sort of in Eagles territory where I'm not going to assume they're good until they play well against somebody. And so I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking the points. Yeah. Um, next up, Ravens minus five and a half at the Bills. I, this is a, could be a letdown game, well, basically for both teams. The Bills, extra rest. The Ravens definitely could be a letdown game. But I've been fading Buffalo constantly, so why stop now against, you know, arguably the league's best team, man? That Baltimore team is tough. I think Buffalo is getting more legit. They've had a couple of good games, and Allen's I like them better. at home. Going into Buffalo in December, laying wood, that's hard. And Josh Allen can run also. I, I, I think the Bills might win this one outright. I think the ringer podcasts put it best, but the Ravens are like the toughest team to stop getting 10 yards in four plays right now. Cause they do run fourth down a lot. Right. And that helps on them. the rare occasion, you do stop them. You're getting 10 yards on four downs with that beast of a running back who's already going to break the record most rushing yards this week in the season. Uh, then they tried out the best kicker in NFL history on the rare occasion in which you do. So, I mean, that's team's good, man. The defense is playing much better too, but, uh, 
more on the Niners later, but um, okay. That's, that's fair though. That's still a tough spot. And I keep underrating the bills uh, Redskins plus 13 at the Packers. Uh, I took the points here. I, I told someone right before kickoff Sunday on Twitter, um, asked me to guys. I told him sit guys. Uh, I believe he finishes the RB one. Did he finish this week with 10 carries? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, hard to know that in advance. I, I took the Redskins too. I made the line 11 and a half, but it's not a strong, it's not a strong lean. Yeah. Fair. Same here. Uh, Broncos plus nine and a half at Texans. Uh, I again took the points here. Cortland Sutton, what a beast. I took the points. I, I made it exactly nine and a half though. So it was kind of a coin flip. I just decided the Texans are going to be flying super high after being the Patriots yep. and I'll sell them after that. Yeah. All right. So I like the Niners a lot more at plus three, even three and a half. I saw some places when it opened. So I think I made it my best bet. And you, you went with two and a half, it appears. So don't, don't like that quite as much. But still, Jimmy G was blitzed more than any QB in any game this season last week and did pretty well, like 8.3 YPA in those conditions against that D. Horrible fumble loss, though. Uh, anyway, give me the points. I think the Niners are better, but call me a homer. I have the Niners winning outright. Uh, I think they're better. And the Saints are missing two key offensive linemen. I think that's why the line moved from three to no three. No explosion. I mean, the, the, they can't throw the ball down the field. I know no, Jimmy gets a short A dot, but like he can go downfield sometimes. And uh, healthy Kittles is so, so different. So I, I do like the Niners. I mean, crazy, man. Playing in Baltimore at 10 a.m., then in New Orleans at 10 a.m. It's the toughest three game stretch in NFL history that started uh, with that Packers game. Uh, next up, uh, Bengals plus eight and a half at the Browns. I love the Bengals plus eight and a half here. This is the one I almost took, made my best bet. This I, I is my best bet. One outright. So yeah, we're this definitely is... using Bengals. Easy, easy. I here. mean, I made this line three and a half. I'm like Andy oh. Dalton back. They got Cordy Their Glenn. Defense is playing well. Yeah, recently. and they got really Cordy is. Glenn, their best offensive lineman back, and then Miles Garrett, the best player on the Browns, is out. So why is this eight and a half? The, the Browns. Okay, maybe the Browns will blow them out. Yeah, okay, maybe. Let's see it. Let's see him do it once to somebody besides the Dolphins. And even now, if they play the Dolphins again, I think it would be a closer game. So uh, I'm taking the Bengals. I, I made it my best bet. Mayfield has a banged up hand. That offensive line's a joke. I, I, I think I even have the Bengals defense ranked ahead of him. I know it's crazy, but um, I, yeah. By the way, I took the L on Mahomes. You're going to take the L on Kareem Hunt negatively affecting Chubb at any point no, soon? I see. I think you're going to say this because, again, that was not my argument. He did hurt him that get week. I, I didn't say that I can promise he wasn't going to hurt him moving forward. I just thought it was really a weird argument to say that he had hurt him because he had not hurt him. Well, yet. no, that it was inevitable that your pick would be a lot worse in the second half of the season. It was inevitable what do you like, mean, that, that this guy was coming a- back. I don't think it was a lot worse, though, and you're not upset that you took him. I mean, I ranked him ahead of Barkley and Kamara, and I'd rather him over both of them. Yeah, I mean, but that's, I, that's I just, not the point. It's weird to argue that's against Chubb point. here. I mean, it's That's again, not the point. Weird. That's not I the mean, point. The point is Kareem Hunt has is, is devastated his value. That's all I'm saying. It has not devastated his he value. It's adversely affected it a little bit. Like, Chubb was not no. even getting the receptions before. And one thing I've been meaning to tell you about Chubb is you're very, very centered, which I don't – whatever, it's fine, but you're very centered for the NF, uh, FC and, and PPR, and the rest of the world is not necessarily 100%. Well, that's right. what I meant. I meant in PPR. Really when, I said that, when I said that on the show – I, I meant PPR because I'm talking NFFC. Because it really does affect him more there, especially yeah, way more. The thing we're yeah. talking about here is like for, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, that it's it hurt him last week having right. Hunt healthy. As long as, long as you're aware, as I just I'm just worried about you. I just don't want you to be living delusionally anymore. All right, uh, so we're both good, on the Bengals. Good luck with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't really hold my breath. We're gonna you know get counting on that for me. Uh, Panthers plus three at Falcons. I like this one more when it was two and a half as well. I took the Falcons, and I think you cheated here and took the Carolina the points. I I just go by the majority. I click on whichever one has five at the time that I write the article. I I'm fifty fifty on this. I I don't normally when the coach gets fired off the bad team, it helps the team. But they actually like Ron Rivera, so I'm not sure how how it's going to help them. But I still take the points. But that's total coin flip. I don't want to use that. McCaffrey will go nuts. This is a total stay away from me. Um, Lions plus 13 at the Vikings. I kept referring to him as blow because of Jeff Erickson on XM. And apparently it was not. I liked it a lot better um, when it was. But I picked him up in a super flex league. What would you do week 15? I have a buy this week uh, list. Sam Darnold Thursday night at Baltimore or Blau at home against Tampa Bay. I go Blau, I guess. Audio, right? I mean, and you go blow over any receiver, right? You got to go back to Santana. What was it? Santana Moss? <laughs> yeah. When you started Santana Moss for a match. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So pick it up, David Blau. And I'm rolling with the lions this week. Definitely taking the points here. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't definitely, but I, by a narrow margin, I take the lions. 
Okay, I will say this. I'll definitely take the points here with the Dolphins. Who the heck are the Jets to give five and a half? And the Jamal Adams is probably not even going to play. So I really like the Dolphins this, this Me week. Me too. We could use the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins yeah. just showed up last week and kicked the shit out of the Eagles. And, and most teams that are like three and nine, two and nine, whatever they were, two and ten, they're not showing up to kick someone's ass. They're like just getting through the season. The Dolphins are having fun out there. So totally. I, that makes me think, like, don't fuck with the Dolphins unless the team's actually good that they're playing. Uh, Devontae Parker's a beast. The, oh, what is this? Uh, Devontae Parker revenge game? I'm just realizing that, right? No, not to, oh, sorry, against Gates. Against Gates, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a revenge Gase. against yeah, Gates. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's going to go nuts. Like he did last week. Love Parker. Okay, so yeah, I um, yeah, I, I'm with you. So I think a Dolphin. Did you pick him to win outright even on your. On the, I did. The, the, I did the, pick him yeah. outright. Yeah, I'm with you. Patrick Laird, I might even roll him with in a few spots. All right, so uh, what do we got? Colts plus three at Bucks. I laid the points here, but uh, Winston has like the most bizarre home road splits, eight touchdowns, 15 picks at home this year, 14 and five on the road. Probably means nothing. And I laid the points regardless, but uh, stay away from me. I, every week at Colts, I pick uh, Vinatieri screws me. And I'm like, why did I do that? At least I, 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 I heard that wasn't his fault though. I heard it wasn't his fault that they got, it was like the guy was on him like so fast. There's no way he could have avoided that. But uh, I took the Colts. I just have a Colts feeling. It's just time to buy back in. I think better coach Arians kind of being a douche. I just think that uh, I'll just take the Colts. Yeah, so bad without Hilton and the Tampa Bay defense got healthier and quietly playing better, but there's no way I'm going to feel confident about backing Winston. Um, late games, Chargers minus three at Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville, but never feel strongly betting against the Chargers, I guess. But uh, Minshew is a lot better than Fold. So I like the Chargers here. I'm sorry, the Jets. Uh, I like the Jacks too. I just can't, I mean, I'm going to be wrong because every time uh, the Chargers, I just fuck them. I can't bet on them. I can't bet against them, but no way I'm laying three on the road. Just I'm washing my hands of the shit. Yeah. Chiefs plus three at Patriots. Um, I, uh, I laid the wood here, but I think you like them even more than me. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Patriots are in decline and this is the end, but they lost a game to the Ravens. It was actually really competitive. If the, if the Ravens hadn't converted one fourth down and the Patriots offense gets back on the field, the Ravens were on the ropes. Their defense was worn out. So they lose a very close game in Baltimore. It got out of hand late, but it was a close game to the Ravens. Then they beat Dallas. Then they go to the to Houston. They lose pretty decisively. Is that enough to put the chiefs at parity with the Patriots, the chiefs that don't even look like the chiefs from early the season or last year? No way. Not in Foxborough. So I don't know what's going to happen. The Chiefs have better players. Sorry, Ted Bell. The Chiefs are more talented, but <laughs> I'm still laying the wood. I just think this is – we can't elevate the Chiefs to this point yet. No, I tell you, yeah, the, both those losses did not come at home, too. So I'm with you. If you want to use them, you can talk me in, into that. Uh, believe we're different here. Maybe I'm recency biased, but I think the Steelers' defense have an argument right there, one top three since like week four. And that Cardinals team was just, it's dreadful. So uh, I like the Steelers. I, I, I like Duck Hodges, Chief DFS, and James Washington, top 20 fantasy receiver this week. So I'm all in on Pittsburgh, but uh, you, you do not agree. I just was going to buy the Cardinals low after it's an abysmal showing. The Steelers' offense is terrible. And just think that uh, the Cardinals' league worst pass defense won't, it won't be as much of a liability against the Steelers. And Kyler Murray can get something done against anybody. He didn't do it against the Rams. He had a horrible game. Uh, if he's like kind of hobbled with his groin thing or whatever he had, then maybe that's a different story. But I just don't think the Steelers should be laying uh, that many points on the road with that offense. Yeah. yeah. All fair points. Titans minus two and a half at Raiders. Ooh, you gave me one, this one here, because this definitely seems like the sucker side, but maybe Oakland is just, really fading and the titans really are one of the best teams in the league i mean if you just looked at the ypa since this new quarterback took over and forgot it was ryan Tannehill and said oh by the way they also have the biggest beast at running back too you'd be pretty interested in this team with a great offensive line too so give, give me tennessee yeah ypa is not a great stat when the sacks not going a lot volume so low yeah. volume's low and if you add the sack yardage sort of sort of adjusted ypa so that you're counting the sacks, right? Because if you get sacked six oh, sure, times for sure. 30 yards, that's minus 30 passing yards, and that's six passing attempts that you're adding to the ledger, right? If you just don't count sacks as an attempt and you don't count the negative yards, so I, I don't think Tannehill's YPA is really what it is. It's kind of you know, like BABIP when the guy hits 50 home runs. It's like, yeah, his BABIP's slow because every time he makes contact, it goes out of the park. So don't worry about his BABIP. It's all home runs. 
Don't worry about his YPA. It's all sacks. You know, a lot of people throw incompletions when they're under pressure, which is a better play. And Tannehill is taking sacks. Yeah, I need to look up where his uh, with his sack adjusted uh, YPA is this, this year, but I'm I don't know. I would imagine it's still among the leaders because last I checked, it was a full half yard among the. the yeah, I'm sure highest. it's still good, but I'm just saying, like with with this lower volume and. And you adjust it. I know no, you love Gruden too. No, I, I, I got you. The, I just uh, think I actually, they, I actually like Tennessee. I think Tannehill's fine. Um, I, I think he's fine. I just think that uh, it, it's just it's not that. It's that the Titans are good, but this is sort of a game. This is a bad. They're catching at the bad time. A desperate Raiders team need to get back on track at home where they're much better. The Titans having sort of conquered some, you know, the Colts in their division and playing so well. I just think it's a bad spot for them. That's all. Those it's are two that. sucker bets. Steelers minus two and a half. Titans minus two and a half. Laying up. They're just asking you to go on those sides. Now, you're yeah, now you're yeah but that doesn't work though. I, used to, I was going against the sucker bets for years and had a losing record, so yeah, I wouldn't be totally. So Seahawks minus one at Rams. I I, I took the Rams. Uh, I, I keep fading Seattle. Obviously, they're a really good football team and uh, knocking my Niners out of first. The Rams looked a lot better last week though, so uh, I'll, I'll take the points here at home. In uh, prime time, you know, Seattle just, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I took the Rams. I made it Seahawks plus two and a half. I think the Seahawks are just a little better than the Rams, but I, I got to change my uh, beliefs about the Rams. I thought McVay was kind of a one-trick pony that had worn out his usefulness. Goff was bottom 10 quarterback. Gurley was pretty much done. And none of those things I think are true. McVay may be good. I mean, that, to turn that around what, after the beating they took at home against the Ravens, I don't care who's the Ravens, that was just so embarrassing on Monday Night Football yeah. to be shown up like that at home, like just so embarrassing. And now you got to go on the road and the team's off the bye and your crap quarterback who never plays well on the road and they just played amazingly well. I mean, the Cardinals didn't show up, but part of that was the Rams playing well and I just have to adjust my narrative about these guys so i took the rams too yeah no they looked much much better uh seattle big games just a niner fan you're in in the rams and they think they travel to carolina the week after coming down the stretch here crazy being either the possible one seed to playing on the road five seed uh very annoying to be the year the niners are good to be in this division when the freaking east is such a joke speaking of which giants plus eight and a half at Philly, who I keep betting on. I laid the wood again, even before I knew Eli was apparently starting this game. Uh, it's been to my detriment every single week back in the Eagles. So uh, I'm going back to the well, but you took the points. You, is it, was it because of the Eli? Is that, was that what, what swayed your decision? I lo- yeah. I love Eli so much. I had to take the points. No, it was, it was eight and a half with Daniel Jones when I locked it in and it went up to nine and a half when he was scratched. So the market knows Eli's worse than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has not been that good lately, <laughs> but uh, and it also really hurts because the Eagles, the way you beat them is you throw over top. And Daniel Jones goes down the field. Eli doesn't. But someone was saying that Barkley could have a really good game or better game because Eli checks down all the time. Uh, and so Barkley may start getting a lot of catches oh, like point. he did last year. Whereas, like, you know, Daniel Jones, to his detriment, ignores Barkley because he's always looking for a bigger play. Something you like in a quarterback, but with the Giants personnel and offensive line, maybe the other way is better. But anyway, I took the Giants. and I made it six and a half. Again, I just can't take the Eagles are in Browns territory and and Cowboys territory. They just they got to do it first. I'm not going to say oh the Eagles are eight nine and a half points better than anybody until they can beat the Dolphins until they can you know show show that they're they're worth taking. So I took the Giants. Totally hear you though, but I think their schedule has been difficult. They are quietly getting healthier. I know it's funny to say that at Miami, they're a good football team, like the coach said, but they are not so bad. So uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue heavily though. But I think the Giants are pretty brutal too. And, and okay, Eli's so net YPA. I just looked yeah. this up. Yes, curious. Mahomes is first, seven point nine three. Prescott second, seven point nine one. This doesn't count interceptions. It's just uh, it's just um, sacks. Yeah. Uh, Stafford third, 7.64. Cousins fourth, 7.56. Garoppolo fifth, 7.18. And Tannehill sixth, 7.12. Dropped from first all the way to six. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. And, I would have not it's, guessed it's that drastic. And 7.12 is very close. There's like 10 guys over 6.9. So like within 0.2 of him are like 10 other guys, including Phillip Rivers. 
Yeah. Rivers gets hit hard when you when you added the interceptions. Yeah. Former uh, receiver taking too many sacks back there, but uh, he helps you run in fantasy wise. But yeah, real life. Okay. Yeah, that's not quite as elite. And sure. Yeah. Jimmy G in top five. There you go. Not gonna argue <laughs> that stat. Very yeah. telling stat. That one. Right. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like, um, all right. So we're gonna struggle here. Uh, Bengals and Dolphins and 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 what else? Niners maybe. Bengals, Dolphins, Niners. Good with all three of those. Okay. Other games I like are the Bears, Patriots. I like the Raiders. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can use the, the Rams. I would use the Rams. Okay, we're both on those. So Pats and Rams. It's, it's, so it's, Pats, it's Rams, besides. Dolphins, Bengals, and Niners. Niners. We got it. Yeah, cool. It's All easy right. with 16 games. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, cool, man. Excited for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, you got anything uh, else on your mind? I going to run some. Uh, I know you said you did watch the Irishman, right? Yeah, it was it was sort of a waste of my time. It was fine. It was just derivative. You know, you remember when like Pulp Fiction got made in like nineteen ninety three, and then like those like things to do in Denver when you're dead. Those kind of movies came out yeah, afterward. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, this yeah. out there crazy murder spree type stuff, and it was totally derivative of like the Tarantino stuff. It was like, okay, well, this was a hit. Let's make something that sort of looks like this, but doesn't have near the craftsmanship or the characters or anything. And that's what I felt this was. This was like a, a knockoff of like Goodfellas or Casino or a real mob movie. And it just, it was okay. I mean, the acting's great. Joe Pesci's such a good actor. Like I, yeah, guys is so good. I, I didn't really understand the anti-aging technique. Robert De Niro, like, what was he 60 when he came in as like their henchman? Dude, he's 60. Yeah. Why you, can't you find a younger henchman? So that was, you know, it was like, Oh, the the aging tech. you mean when he's curb stopping at that age? It could, yeah. He needed a walker to curb stomp. Exactly. I mean, he looks 60 at that point, even with the anti-aging thing. And it's like, can you just find some new actors? You know, must you cast the same guys every single time? I mean, Joe Pesci, how old was he supposed to be when he was fixing the car? I mean, he looks 65. I mean, he must've been a hundred during most of the movie based on the timeline there. there was, that was totally threw me off a little bit. Uh, plus their wives were like in their thirties. So it was just very weird. Um, and then it's just, you know, Robert De Niro was like the tough guy. It's just hard to buy right now. Yeah. It was some good dialogue. I like the, you know, just tell him it is what it is. I yeah. just like, I like that whole exchange and, yeah. and I like, and I liked the Al Pacino character, the Jimmy Hoffa guy. I mean, I, I see myself in some of that. Like he just, he just could not, he just could not just meet with that dude and like say sorry or like he couldn't, he just couldn't like bring himself. I would give it like, I don't know, a C plus it was, it was watchable. You know, it's it still a Scorsese movie with really good actors, but what was the point? There's no point in it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I liked it a little more than you, but all fair criticism. Three, and you didn't hammer home, three and a half hours long. Not yeah. just long movie, three and a half. So this will take multiple sittings maybe. I think I enjoyed it more than you. I had a smile on my face just watching Pesci. My dad would have loved this because he was a Hoffa guy. Too bad he missed it by a couple years. He seriously would have loved it, watching Pacino play Hoffa. And I guess the story behind you know the disappearance is not really, probably didn't really happen that way. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I would recommend. Let me ask you this. Uh, this year, which movie did, would you like? better would you get higher El, do you like el camino more what was el camino breaking, breaking bad one. Oh, uh yeah i mean it, it was simpler you know it was it was shorter it was simpler there was no it wasn't like a super important movie but yeah i would say that was a better movie it was just tighter i thought sure. it was better yeah. weird comparison i just just thought of it was too yeah no it's uh, similar though because it's drawing on something that was really really good and it's a little derivative, you know, I mean, it was not derivative, it was a spinoff, but I, I liked El Camino. I, I liked, the thing was, and it's the same reason that The Irishman was watchable, is you kind of like being in that world again. You know, it brings you back to that Breaking Bad world. You're like, oh yeah, this right. world, I miss this exactly. world. And then even, you know, the, the Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, even though Robert De Niro is way too old for the character. I mean, that was just so off-putting to me. But you're like back in that world. And Joe Pesci is such a good, he was the best actor of all of them. And he was just... I just thought he was so good, and I just that was my favorite guy in the whole movie. Oh, and he hadn't been in a movie in ten years. It took him forever to get him out of retirement. Yeah, no, for sure. That's why I'm saying it's had a smile on my face watching Pesci yeah. back, you know, playing He's a monster. So good. I mean, how could you not? I mean, yeah. So, so for sure. So, so the one thing I will recommend this week, other than the Irishman, is a podcast. Uh, uh, for, I really liked S Town and Dirty John, and now the third one is called The Thing About Pam. If you're into crime podcasts, not for you, list, but anyone else, S Town and Dirty John, and now The Thing About Pam is the big three for me. Really like crazy. Uh, 
crazy twists and whatnot. Six episodes. If you're uh, going on a trip or something in the holidays, check that out. List. What else do you have as far to leave us with? Uh, or did you, you know, run through everything? I kind of cut you off on the climate change thing there. Do you have any general opinions on that? Well, we talked about this before. My opinion is sort of what this article said. I totally agree with that. Well, two things. I read two things that I found compelling. One is, you know, we should take care of the planet. We should not be polluting. We should be uh, controlling our emissions. If we raise the temperature, there are going to be some uh, unforeseeable consequences. But this whole, you know, we're going to die in 12 years thing seems like a political operation, like a psyop, like all this other stuff. It's just, it's just an operation to get you to comply, to do what they want you to do. I'm not really sure what the motive is. You know, there's reasons to take care of your environment and not to assume we know in a complex system how dangerous it is. And then the other thing uh, that I read that I thought was compelling was Nassim Taleb said that, you know, these models, all these climate models are, they've been false. They've been falsified. They, they predicted certain things that didn't happen. And the problem with doing it that way and then exaggerating the results and then fudging the science and then screaming, you know, the, the apocalyptic fear into everybody is that not only does it revolt them and, and turn them away, but it actually is a totally wrong way to go about it. The burden of proof should not be on the climate scientists proving that we're going to have a complete apocalypse in 12 years if, if we don't do all this stuff. The burden should be on the people polluting to, to show that in this complex system, we don't have to worry about this. That's a much harder burden. We don't really know. It could be worse. It could be better. We don't really know. It's a complex system, the ecosystem of planet Earth, and we have not mastered that. And so the burden should be on those who want to uh, do things that tamper with it to uh, show that it's safe, not the uh, climate scientists to show that it's dangerous. And so by trying to like convince everyone of these models that aren't really that convincing, they're actually doing a disservice to the cause. And I forget who said it, um, but basically it's once corporations figure out how to make money off it, that's when we'll start getting progress working toward it. So it's kind of cynical, but... Right. But of- also, I mean, I do think like the market's... Not that everyone couldn't be collectively blind. They were in the financial crisis. You know, everyone's still buying real estate and crashed. But that you know, you don't really see the markets for real estate in these areas. They should be completely. Oh yes, that's yeah, right, right. I mean, sure. you'd think like, okay, like if you have skin in the game, you could talk shit. You know, because you want to pollute because you're you own a chemical factory or something, your Coke brother or something. But you think the people with skin in the game would be like, no, I'm selling, I'm getting out. So I don't know how many people really believe the apocalyptic rhetoric. I don't think that many. I think it's, a, as I said, yeah. like an operation done on the public to control them. People say, well, follow the money. The money's in the fossil fuels. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and they lie about their effects too. But I do think there's something about just controlling people and getting them to um, sort of bend your will, give up all these things. A, a sober look at what's really going on would be better for actually addressing some of this stuff. And then finally, well, two things. One is... Uh, as we said, Kamala Harris is out. Tulsi Gabbard was part of getting rid of her. I don't want to handicap the race. I think uh, polling is very unreliable. Nobody answers their phone anymore. I think that a lot of people want to control the race and want to uh, shape it for you by telling you who's going to win. Vote your conscience. And I know the person that I'm hoping wins is, is still going strong, and uh, that's good. And then finally, I, I think... I'm extremely worried about the economic situation uh, in the U.S. and the world. I, I think that the money printing has just gone out of control. And I just hope that whatever, when, when the shit goes, when the next 2007, 2008 crash happens, that there's not much violence. Cause that's, that's kind of what worries me. It's kind of like the fed just keeps printing money. And to the average person, they don't really know what's going on. They're just doing their job. They're just going about their business. They're imagine if you were buy kidding. Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin is what you're telling people. Well, I would say that that's one hedge. It's not a perfect hedge, but it's a good hedge. But imagine if you're a kid and your parents are like alcoholics and they're like just, you know, spending money on booze and drugs and they're running out of money, but you don't know because, you know, they just go to the bank and get more money and and you're like, well, how are we going to get food? They're just like, oh, I'll just go to the bank. And you just think the bank has the money. So you're, you don't know how banks work or bank accounts work. So your parents go to the ATM with their card, they get the 200 bucks and they buy you food. And so you don't realize that like the money's running out because you just see them go to this machine and get the money. And then one day the machine doesn't work because there's no money left and you're totally screwed. 
that's kind of how I see it. I think like everybody's just sort of like assuming like they'll oh it'll be taken care of. The Fed, the government, they'll fix this, and they're just debt upon debt upon debt. And when the bill comes due, it's just going to be like the ATM, like you put your card in and there's no money there. And then you're like, wait, how does this work? We don't even know how this works. Right? When you're like seven, you don't know how an ATM, where the money comes from. You just assume your parents get money out. But I, I think it, we're, we're <laughs> I hope What's I'm totally happen, wrong. Man? What is going to happen then? I don't know. I don't know what exactly, how, what form it would take. But you know, 2007 was one go round and I'm not sure that, the confidence they, you know, if they could just, they printed their way out of that, but like if they could print their, if they do that again, then maybe instead of, you know, paying 40 bucks for a steak, it's 150 bucks for a steak, you know, instead of everything starts going up. Uh, if there's too much money flooding the system, if they print too much to print out of it, you get like massive inflation. That's one way. There's a lot of ways it could go. I, I really don't know enough to say how it would go. I think it's very hard to predict. But if you look at what's going on and them just sort of like printing out 50 billion more a month to bail out to, to cover liquidity shortages. And I don't understand all of it even, but it is some scary shit. Again, just imagine your parents were drug addicts and they just keep going to the bank to get more cash out to fund whatever seems to be needed. And then one day they put the card in and there's no money. I think we're, we're getting close to that day. That's a scary outlook. And um, just to circle back, I, like I said, I listened to Tulsi on, on Rogan's pod for two and a half hours, and I liked her. I came away with a, a fan more than before. And uh, yeah, I'm with you on her. She, uh, she seemed genuine, and uh, I like how she just you know deals with every issue kind of individually, looks at it, and not really, you can't really fit her in a box. Yeah, and she's very uh, poised and calm. You know, she doesn't, it's not, it's amazing that she doesn't take some of the stuff personally. I'd be like enraged, these assholes. Right. And it's, yeah, I mean, you, you say, say it, I'm mean, ultimately like so, so important is just staying out of war, man. I mean, what's, what's more important. That's the thing the president controls. Although if you read that article, it's not something that that's why they don't want her to get anywhere close because that will be full on conflict between her and the, and the interests that want to keep wars going. Right. Yeah. I'll check those articles out. All right, man. Good stuff. Let's, uh, right. let's rebound. Let's five do and it. Oh. Five and oh, man. All right. All right, man. Later. Later.